This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with questions, comments, or concerns. Uh, Alex is going to be answering the phone. He's across the big board, so all he needs is your first name and where you're calling from, and uh, he'll get you on the computer, and we can go from there. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, yes, have you worn a mask yet? I have not. Ah, me either. But I might. Oh. Yeah. Mm. I don't I don't think, if unless a queen comes over or uh, something like that, I, I might take it off. But otherwise, I, I might start wearing it when I go to the store. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Tracy wears, she's wore hers the other day, and it's always kind of freaky if you're with somebody with a mask and you don't have one. It's like, and I, I, I couldn't really kind of understand what the mask do. Does it prevent things from coming into you, or does it prevent your, your stuff from it's going out? It's more you going out. Yeah. Yeah, because unless it's the, the, the right kind of mask, it doesn't protect you as much from coming in. Right, which would probably cost about $9,000 or something. It does, yeah, and you'd have to outbid <laughs> the states and the federal right. government and who knows who else to get it. Uh, yeah, so I think it's more to you know protect you from spreading to someone else. Uh. You know, but I that's what's scary is you don't know if you have it or not because it's you can have <laughs> right. it well before you have any symptoms. Right, exactly. So, so yeah. I was going to tie a handkerchief around my, you know, like a cowboy outlaw or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was gonna. I was just going to put one over my entire face, and I'd look a lot better. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a big improvement. Uh, well, thanks. You're this welcome. is just totally nuts, isn't it? It is nuts. You got to laugh because it's, it's... you don't, you're going to go crazy. You are. No question about it. And hopefully, like your listeners who are calling in today, they can get out and do some gardening because yeah. that's that's a great way to get away from it for a while. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And uh, what could be more fun? <laughs> Dig in the dirt. Yes, exactly. Yes, folks, on Saturday morning, we get together and we have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting you and your landscape, whether it's your front yard, backyard, or side yard. And uh, how about that specialty garden space? Normally you're out and you're getting plant material and getting it installed, like the cool season vegetables or flowers or annuals or whatever. And uh, how about those house plants? Are they just pounding on the windows wanting to get outside into the fresh air? And uh, do you need some potting mix? And where can you go and get it? Some of the garden centers have been shut down or shutting down. And uh, how do you improve your soil? Well, you can just go, well, call in if you want to know how to improve your soil. 
or head out to St. Louis Composting, of course. Can you do some shearing and pruning this time of year on your hedges, evergreen or deciduous? How about the bugs? Ugh. This warm weather is bringing the bugs out and diseases, too. So information to make good decisions. My thoughts and orchestrations hopefully will help you decide which way to go. And the final judgment is going to be on your shoulders. This is your show, by the way, and I appreciate you inviting me in to your home, your car, or wherever you happen to be listening. As I said before, a very important player is Alex. He's here producing, so he answers the phone and makes sure that I don't do anything too crazy. And I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you'd like for me to do that. I call him a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there has my email, or there is my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Uh, Chestnut and Market, kind of in that area right there. Garden space associated with a soldier's memorial. I decided to walk around there. There's a sign right on the corner that says the Court of Honor is right there. And you can just go straight ahead. Also, the sign says this is a smoke-free property. So this is a the park across the street, and I'm assuming the Soldiers Memorial is um, smoke-free as well. The lawn strip around 14th Street had a recent repair, and the straw was still in place. Liriope and Peonies, boy, they were pushing up and showing some pretty good new growth. And uh, Helleborus, it's an evergreen perennial, but, I mean, these I usually don't see them pure white flowered types. But these were pure white flowers, and, I mean, they were bright. It was pretty early, so it was still dark, and, I mean, the, it almost looked like flashlights on these plants. The oak leaf hydrangea was stretching out, and but they're nearby a huge crab apple, which was exploding in color. I mean, it was white, but as it opens up, it starts off kind of pinkish and then turns full white when the petals are completely open. And as I was standing there, a rabbit hops by. He kind of looks over his shoulder at me with a puzzled expression like, what are you doing here? And along market, there's a huge sweet gum tree, which there must be 500 you know, sweet gum balls on the ground. There's also a boxwood hedge, which is bright green. I guess it's already finished flowering because the boxwood earlier in the week were showing the flower buds and flowers. Ornamental grasses were mingling with some other oak leaf hydrangeas. And... Uh, the flags of all the five military branches were waving in the wind. Butterfly bushes were saying, it's too cool for us, so we're going to kind of stay hunkered down. There's a graphic map that notes various highlights in this entire area. Multiple sculptures by Walker Hancock. There's an anchor from the USS Lang <laughs> Langley and uh, five branch fountains. There's a World War II monument by Hillis Arnold. Oh, as I'm out there, it starts raining. I thought, well, I didn't think it was supposed to rain quite this early. But the plants are loving it, and it's a perfectly spring-like beginning to this day. As the streetlights turn off, I head back towards my car and uh, then head over to KMOX. So questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. 
Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments about your landscape, your houseplants, or whatever, just give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Yes, it is early spring, but the bugs are out. And remember, any direction that's sort of in full sun, facing the south or whatever, that's going to warm up first, and that's where the insects are going to show up first because it's all triggered by temperatures. So this time of year, you can expect to find thrips, aphids, mites, pine sawflies, tent caterpillars, some of the scale, bagworms will start hatching, you know, and beetles and whiteflies. So various forms, they overwintered as larvae, pupa, or adults, and they were overwintering in tree trunks, you know, in the bark and limbs, attached to buildings, all kinds of other places, in the ground. So, I mean, the bugs, the first wave is coming. Basically, guess when? When the silver maples are in bloom. Now, silver maples have already bloomed, so just be prepared for, the, you know, an insect, let's say, explosion in your landscape. And the earlier you catch them, the easier it is to get them under control. So just remember that. Let's head out to Crestwood and go into Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. You're Description of your walk this morning was beautiful. Thank you for that. Well, we're, we're looking for um, an ornamental tree for the front of our house, and we have been seeing the uh, Yoshimi cherry and the bonfire peach trees. And I was wondering if you could give me some suggestions about either of those. We wanted something to walk that's going to go in front of our green giant, and it's kind of, might be a little wet there. I've lost two uh, dogwood trees. I would say then neither one of those trees that you mentioned can take a wet soil. Okay. So watch out about that. Now, there is a lower-growing magnolia called Sweet Bay Magnolia. (laughs) We have that in the back, in the wet spot. Well, I would still, you know, it can handle the wet soil. I would, you know, whether you got one or not, that's the one I would choose. The rest of, most of the, let's say, lower-growing trees that have decorative ornamental qualities Really can't take wet soil circumstances all that you know. Well, this was going to be maybe fifteen feet um, away from where I where I lost the two dogwoods, so I was thinking this might not be as wet. It's in front of the green giants on the other side, and I didn't know how whether those were dwarf or if there's any negatives or hardiness about those two. Well, probably if you know, there probably any of those. Well, the peach one of them was a peach, right? Yeah, bonfire peach. Yeah, I would say I kind of stay away from that one because, you know, potentially there's all kinds of other problems related to just that group of trees in general. And so, and what was the other one? Uh, Yoshino cherry. Okay, that would probably be fine. But, you know, if I was going to do a cherry, I'd probably do the Kwanzaa cherry. Okay, I'll look at that one. We just like the openness and the spread of the the, the Yoshino. Right. Yeah, the Kwanzaa, you might have to, you know, Open it up a little bit, but K-W-A-N-S-A-N, Kwanzaa Cherry. Okay, I will look that up. Great. Okay, thank you so much. Certainly. And now let's head over to Lou's yard. Hi, Lou. Hello, Lou, are you there? Yes, I am. All right, great. I've got two questions. One, I've got a Mugo pine that's about 12 inches in diameter. And I notice it's got boards, and I'm going to probably have to take it down. How far away can I uh, plant another tree from that root system? Uh, why do you think it has boards? I see holes in it. Uh, how big are the holes? Probably quarter inch. 
Yeah, about the size of a pencil. Uh, that's probably not Borzin. Bores are much smaller than that. They're more like pencil lead size. What do you think that might be? That might be. Now, you're saying this is a mugo pine that has a 12-inch trunk? It's pretty large, yeah. Okay. I would say it's probably sapsuckers. Okay. So it's birds that are tapping in there so they can, you know, get the, drink the sap more or less. But that is not boars. So I would not okay. worry about taking the thing out in relationship to boar problem. Okay. One other question. I had a beautiful daisy garden that I had all different types. It was about 10 by 10. And it bloomed tremendously. And during the winter, I uh, cut it down with a hedge trimmer to be able to just cut it down. And I used the seeds for future. Mm -hmm. But I noticed two things happened. One, I got a tremendous amount of weeds, which I can take out, and that's not an issue. But I got a tremendous amount of ground cover that came underneath that. And it's everywhere, and I tried to start pulling out that dr- that ground cover, and it's really difficult. Any suggestion? Uh, it's, well, it's a little tough. I'm assuming the daisies haven't started. A few of them have. Okay. A few have. I would get out there and get a, a wick applicator, which is a, a basically a, a bottle that you put the herbicide in and a tube and a sponge on the end of it, and I would go out there and start dabbing it on any kind of anything that you don't recognize. This is probably chickweed. It could be a couple different kinds of ground cover. There's a speedwell, some of the really low ones. It's probably annual, cool season annual weeds that actually germinated last August. Now, they're going to disappear when the weather warms. So, well, these, the ground cover has that sort of... Uh blue uh, flower on it right now. Little bitty blue flowers and it's really flat? Uh, it's it's not flat. It's almost, I'd say, the size of a quarter the flower is. <clears throat> no, that's not, you know, that's not Persian. It's kind of like a blue flash purple look. It's a dark green. Uh, what does it's it... almost like a vine going along the road, but when I put, or not the road, but the the uh, bed, and when I pull it out, there's a tremendous amount of roots, which makes it difficult to get out. Right. Now, I'd go out and feel the stem on these things where they're coming out of the ground. If the stem feels square, then it may be henbit. Now, they have clusters of flowers that are fairly big, but the individual flowers are relatively small. But, I, you know, my thought is if the way you've been describing it, this has to be some kind of cool season annual weed that's going to disappear. But you, I don't think it's a weed as much as it's a ground cover. Really? Okay. Yeah. It, I mean, it It was in the corner of this, but it exploded over the winter, and I tried to pull them out, and, you know, it's really, really difficult. Is there any kind of thing I can spray on them to kill that area that when they die, I can dig them up and then uh, replant my daisy? Yeah. So now this this basically, the the ground cover you're talking about, is it evergreen? Can you tell? And are the flowers, is it flowering right now in these blue flowers that you're describing? Yes, it is. It's okay, so then right what now. this this ground cover, I was completely wrong, and the ground cover is Vinca, V-I-N-C-A, Vinca Minor, and it's an evergreen ground cover, and it is ferocious as far as getting rid of. 
So yes, it, it is. It's going to be not only just pulling, even the herbicide's effectiveness. So if you're going to go out there and try to spray an herbicide on it, make sure that you walk on it and kind of damage some of the stems and leaves and everything else so the herbicide can get in there. Because the foliage is really glossy, and so is the stem, more or less. So it makes it kind of resistant to absorbing herbicides. So you got to open Is there a type up. of herbicide? Um, Do you suggest a type? Um, you know, if you're not anti-Roundup, Roundup is the most effective from my perspective. But I can then can then you uh, plant flowers after that uh, kills all of them. Yeah, basically Roundup deactivates in the soil. What it does is go through the plants. You know, let's say leaves, stems down, and kills the root system all. You know, out entirely, but it doesn't contaminate the soil. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sure. Sorry for me trying to lead you down the wrong garden path. <laughs> There's only thousands of different ground covers. <laughs> well, I, it just took me a while to kind of click onto it. So once you said a size of a quarter, then all of a sudden, oh, that's got to be what it is. Thank you. Yep. So, again, it's Vinca Minor. People love it. They plant it underneath trees. It's great for shade tolerance. Actually, I was at a house this past uh, Wednesday or so, and they had a great stand of uh, Vinca Minor there. Let's head over to Brian's yard and see what's going on. Hey, Brian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a question. Uh, a neighbor of mine has, I'm thinking what he's told me, they're called Chinese evergreens. They're really, they spread out, the, the bigger the tree gets, you know, they're really beautiful trees. And I'm wondering, are they good for like a medium to wet soiled plant? Generally, evergreens, for the most part, are not as far as if, really? if they have needles and stuff. I mean, there yeah. are there are a few of them, but uh, they're usually the ones that are deciduous. Some of the, There is some broadleaf evergreens, but uh, wet soils. In other words, if you would go into, let's say, a wet soil area and uh, you're just not even in the native, because this sounds like a type of a variety of juniper, and the uh -huh. juniper or cedar does not grow in wet soils. It grows on rocks. It grows on horrible places, but it doesn't grow where there's low depressions where water may not necessarily sit for even longer periods of time. Uh, okay. What do you recommend then for about a quarter acre of uh, backyard and I want to get some shade trees in? Uh, let's see. How patient are you? How long are you going to stay in your house? Uh, rest of life. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's there's really several. There's something called a, a black gum, which is not a sweet gum. It's a black gum. It's wet soil tolerant, and it's, it has really glossy foliage, has yeah. glossy leaves, and in the fall it turns bright red. That might be one I'd consider. It is a little bit slow growing. Okay. So that was probably be that would be my first choice. I think if you want something that's not necessarily a traditional type, let's say a tree that's a shade tree then it would probably be the bald cypress. Okay. Don't stay away from any kind of oak tree, I guess? Uh, well, there's willow oak, which can take a wet soil. Okay. But for the most That's part, something. the oaks are not really, they don't like a lot of wet. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like a lot of whole thing anyway. Right. And if you want something <laughs> right, that's, that's relatively fast growing, then, you know, like the silver maples or the poplar trees, they can take a wetter soil. Okay. That does sound a good idea. I appreciate the information. Thank you much. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, we've got phone lines open, 
1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Those cool season annual weeds, which you would have been controlling if you were to put a pre-emergent down last August, are exploding. I was at a house on Wednesday, and I've never it was like a almost looked like some kind of shot in France where they have those giant fields of uh, lavender, only this was henbit. I mean, it really was striking looking, but uh, the problem is these cool season weeds, they look kind of nice, but uh, when the weather starts really warming up, they disappear. So those areas or those spots either have some warm season weeds that are going to take their place or they're just going to be sort of blank, empty, you know, who knows what. But besides henbit, chickweed, annual bluegrass, somebody last week called and she was trying to describe something that was growing in her yard. And I told her to send me some pictures. And she did. And what she had was an explosion of annual bluegrass in her lawn areas. There's prickly lettuce. There's that Persian speedwell, which is very flat growing with small blue flowers about the size of a pencil eraser. There's rabbit foot clover and there's shepherd's purse. Those are the main cool season weeds that are just all over right now. Let's head back to the phones and let's go to South City and into Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Um, peony flowers. We've got a couple of different bunches in our backyard. The one bunch blooms, grows great every year. But the other bunch, they come up, they grow, they look healthy, but they never bud or bloom, but they do look healthy. And we think it's either because they're too deep in the ground or maybe they don't get enough sun. So when is the best time to, to uh, move them? Probably I'd do it in the fall. When the, you know, they finish, the foliage is done and is already starting to kind of decline. So sometime around Labor Day, that's when I'd move them. But okay. you're, you're probably right because if they're planted too deep, they will produce foliage, but they won't produce flower buds. Why? I'm not sure. And then certainly the amount of sun is going to have some kind of you know, impact on it. But uh, for the most part, they want to be in full sun all day long, every day. Okay. Thank you very much. My pleasure. And now let's go to Marianne. Hi, Marianne. Yes. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, yes, Marianne. Hey, uh, hi, Mike. I have a question about my two wajillas, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are both variegated, which might have something to do with it. Uh, I've had them about, this is the third uh, spring that I've had them. And in the past, they've always come back, you know, just beautifully, just fill all out, and then they get covered with, really pretty little pink flowers and uh, last year at the end of summer I got another bloom out of them Hmm. and now this year um, they're not they're kind of far away from each other in the yard they're in two different kind of places but they're not coming back there's looks like a lot of dead branches about half of one plant looks like it's dead and even more of the other one uh you know when i when i bend the branches they crack 
instead of bending, you know. So I don't know. Any ideas? Uh, (laughs) You know, I mean, the variegation with the Wygelias are a lot of different plants. When they introduce that variegation, sometimes it can weaken them because we had a fairly mild winter. So, you know, it shouldn't be related to the temperatures, but uh, the combination of the few cold spells that we did have and, let's say, the weak quality of this hybrid, that's probably what the problem is. Yeah. So should I just uh, clip off everything that seems to be dead and hope for the best? No, or... I would probably not just seems to be dead. I'd wait until they really start fully leafing out, and then anything that doesn't leaf out, unless you want to go out and, you know, like snap them like you have. It sounds like you know what you're doing because you try to, you know, the flexibility is really important. They don't have the flexibility, then it is dead. But you can wait and then prune them off when you're sure, and that's about all you can really do. Okay. Okay. Now, like, what about a fertilizer? Or that's something? not going to help them as far as, you know, a general all purpose, you know, tree and shrub food would be fine. So that would be all I would do. And if you really like these shrubs a lot, what I'd do is, you know, go to your favorite garden center where you got these particular ones and just get a couple small ones and plant them in close proximity to the ones that you have that are existing and then kind of perpetuate the whole look, you know, the fullness or whatever by adding some new small ones. Oh, I love them. They're beautiful. Right. Even uh, when they're blooming, they're beautiful. When they're not blooming, they're beautiful. Right. I like variegation myself. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you another question about my spirea? Sure. Do I have time? Uh, I'm having the same kind of situation with my spirea. I have about six of them, and uh, they're they're every year they only partially recover. You know, there's a lot of dead on them, and I trim them off, and then one of them maybe will be beautiful and fill out and be a nice little round ball, you know. Mm-hmm. And the and then the rest of them are kind of uh half dead and I don't I don't know uh what to do with them. I don't this, know how to get them to all bloom. I'm not bloom, but just leaf out pretty. Right. Is this the white spirea or is this the Anthony Waterer one, which is the reddish one? It's kind of reddish. They're called something like gold flame. The when they the one that's really pretty that's leafed out right now is kind of orangey, and they're all, all of them when they leaf out the leaves are kind of orangey, and then the flowers they don't flower very much, uh, and, and but I, you know what I don't care about the flowers so much I right. I would like for the bush to just be pretty. So again, this but, is probably you know because you have a variety that has this hybrid hybridization mm-hmm. done to it. It changes the foliage color from a natural green. It just, you know, it just makes them weak. And when we're, they're sort of faced with our kind of goofball weather. That's where the real problem comes in. The fluctuations up and down and all around. If you live further south, let's say in uh, even southeast Missouri, they'd probably do better. Memphis, you know, places that have a more consistent climate rather than what we have. I see. I see. Okay. Okay, well, I'll um, keep at it. <laughs> Thank you so much for your advice. <laughs> Certainly. Well, I mean, it's it's great that the garden centers and everybody you know carries these. The tags on them doesn't say, well, in this region, blah blah blah. All it is is just kind of generalized, you know, care and maintenance and all that other stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you so much. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Nick's yard. Hi, Nick. 
Hello, Nick. Hello. Hi. Hi, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. Good. Um, I'm experimenting with a moonglow pear tree. It overwintered uh, last year in a greenhouse. It's about seven foot two inches. I got it into the ground yesterday. I'm hoping it'll get like six hours of full sun. I need to put in another European species of pear near it to pollinate. Mm. And I'm wondering if you would recommend a certain type of other pear tree. Oh, wow. To be honest with you, I would not. So they're saying you can't use the same variety of pear tree to pollinate? You have to have a separate variety? Well, I haven't looked, I haven't researched it, uh, like on maybe Plant Finder at Missouri Botanical Gardens, but I just looked at their tag. I got it on sale last week, um, and I've seen, you know, a lot of uh, at grocery stores, maybe you have different fruit trees now. They're sh- They're shorter. But they're Asian pear. I would say it would, you know, it's probably going to pollinate if that's needed. I didn't think pear trees needed to have a male and female. I thought they were self-pollinators. And I don't know. I've never done a pear. Oh, okay. I think they're probably self-pollinators. Oh, okay. So I don't that's... think you necessarily have to worry about having somebody else, you know, to provide the, let's say, the pollen. It may not hurt, but I don't think it's going to be necessary. Even, you know, the Bradford pears or the calorie pears or whatever, they self-pollinate themselves. And, I mean, they produce not classic-looking pears by any means, but a little bitty sort of like about the size of a big pearl is the size of their uh, their pears. Okay. And, and Okay, that's good. I saw a lot of um, pollinators going to the blossoms yesterday. I don't know about today. It's kind of cold <laughs> and rainy. Right. <laughs> It might be a little bit cool for them to get out today, but yeah, the pollinator, the, the bees are really out uh, kind of a, in striking numbers lately. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask you a question about a Turkish fig? Sure. Um, I threw that into the ground probably three years ago, and I should have cut it back to nothing maybe over the winter, but I didn't. I just let it go. So I have sprigs that are about waist high, and I thought... I should cut it back now, maybe, but I don't know. No, I'd leave it alone. Okay. What you want to do is you want to have a max, you want to maximize the root system. So by not pruning it, you're going to have a a lot more leaves. And then the leaves use the nutrients and moisture that come up from the root system with the sunlight to make food. And then consequently, that's, you know, helps the whole thing to get better and healthier. And so I would not prune it. You know, anything that I sort of get from that kind of perspective or standpoint, the first couple of years, I don't do any pruning at all. I try to help them, you know, get the root system established, like I said, with keeping the maximum amount of foliage available. Okay. Okay. And, I, I, yeah, I don't see any buds on that, so I thought, oh, did I kill it? Yeah, you probably do. It's a little <laughs> early for a lot of this stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, and then back to that pear, if... It's successful. It's like seven foot two now. It's real spindly. I kind of staked it a little bit. If uh, I should, if I get up and I say that's too high, it's getting way too spindly. Should I bring it back uh, down by a foot, or I don't know how to prune it? I'm going to pull out some pruning books. But... Yeah, don't buy, don't bother prune again. Don't prune for the first couple of years. Okay. Let it get okay. as maximum amount of leaves on it as it can. 
Okay. What I would do, okay. though, is if you start to see any fruit set in these first few years, pull the fruits off. Okay. Okay. And that would be good if I see some fruit setting. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Great. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, let's head to South City and go into Jay's yard. Hi, Jay. Good morning, Mike. I have a problem with the area between my curb and my sidewalk. Spire dug it up twice. Uh, it's just a mess. <laughs> and I'm looking for something that, that might be like just ground cover, shall we say, that's pretty sturdy, and, and it stays damp a lot of the time. Ooh. A ground cover that's damp. I would say improve the soil so you can make sure that whatever you, you know, raise it up a little bit, and then I'd probably put sedum in there. Sedum wants it hot and dry, but it can handle that heat in between. And if you, you know, improve the soil, it's going to make it so, you know, it's not going to be quite so wet. But, I mean, any kind of wet spot like that for a ground cover, it's going to be really brutal. I would settle for weeds right now, but sedum... <laughs> Uh, any type of sedum, or is sedum just sedum, or what? No, there's like a lot of different kinds of sedum. Between what I have, I live in South City. What I have in between my sidewalk and street is sedum acre, a c r e. Sometimes people call it gold moss. It's in the wintertime, it almost disappears. It just looks like kind of uh, green flicks on the ground. Now it's starting to elongate, and when May comes around, it'll just look like a sea of yellow for about a month or so. Then the flowers will finish. That's what made it look yellow or gold. And then it'll just be a ground cover. And like I said, it can take the you know the alkalinity of the sidewalk street combination, and also can take the heat and you know because it's like kind of a pizza oven in between those two type things. Okay, so the sedum acre is that something seed, or do I have to buy the plants, or, or what? No, you don't. Basically? Yeah, you got to buy the plants, like in flats or four inch pots or six inch pots. Okay, very good. Thank and, you, sir. And it spreads really well. Sounds good. Again, thank you. Certainly, my pleasure. And I don't know if we can get another call in. Let's see if... Uh, Judy, can you do it really quick? If not, we can take you next hour. Okay, I'll, I'll do it quick. Okay. Um, I unfortunately have uh, a plant called the chameleon plant. And I moved it from a shady area into my garden where it is taking over. I put like a spectrocyte on it, which is like buying beer for a 16-year-old. They're like, hey, thanks. <laughs> what do I do? Uh, I'd go out there and start digging it. It's in the middle of a garden. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, I don't know what else to tell you because just, you know, if you're not, if you're opposed to using Roundup on it, then you, that's about all you're going to be able to do. And, just take the if you want to use Roundup, just paint it directly onto the plant. Wow, that's what I was afraid you're going to tell me. Yeah, I mean that's a, the basically best all-purpose you know herbicide there actually is. Okay, okay. And can we move house plants out yet? Uh, it's probably a little bit early. April fifteenth is a frost-free day, but uh, you know our weather's been pretty good. If you put them in a you know close proximity to the house. That, that kind of situation and not in direct sun, you could probably move them out or you can wait for two weeks or so or a week or. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. Yep.
Yeah, if uh, anybody that's moving their house plants outside, realize don't set them in direct sun. Put them in a shady location for a couple weeks so they get acclimated to the outdoors. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. If you have questions or concerns, we will talk to you after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trowel Hour, and we'll be giving the tip of the trowel shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And Mr. Kelly, before you slip out. Yes. Uh, so you're going to start working on your soils. Yes, I actually did the other day. When uh, we have a, a, a little uh, mulch, not mulch, uh, what do you call it, compost pile. And I went back and took some compost out and mixed it in with some of the dirt and mixed that all up again. And then we're going to start planting probably uh, maybe this afternoon or tomorrow. Whoa. And start transplanting some stuff that we grew last year that we want to move. And we're going to fill out this garden that's about four times bigger than the one we had last year. So looking forward (laughs) to it. Ready to get out there. Yeah. And you can get rid of your, uh, let's say, membership to the uh, Y. Well, Pumping. I tell you what, man, I worked two days this week out in, in the yard, mm-hmm. and I did do a workout before one day. I did go out and lift a little bit. But, man, by about 3 o'clock on Thursday afternoon, I was exhausted. <laughs> that's hard work. Yeah, because, you know, the, you know, the Ys are closed, and yeah. so you can't work out there, and that's right. what you said. So you got the, the equipment in your own, you said, in your barn or your yeah. garage? Yeah, in the barn I've got some weights, so I did go out and do some deadlifts and, and bench pressing and that, and then went out and dug and raked <laughs> wow. and hoed. And You're tough. I was tired, man. That's hard work. <laughs> but it, it's very... It's it's rewarding. It right. feels so good to be outside right. and do that stuff. I love it. And especially when stuff starts growing. Yeah. And just kind of sit back. And, oh. and it's amazing how quick it's all turning green. Yes. You know, it's like all of a sudden you got all this green everywhere. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Well, enjoy. Yeah. I do. Thank you. Yes, folks. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can talk about plant selections, cares for, ups and downs of your of annuals, those pansies, spectacular, your bulbs, daffodils, and tulips, that I get to every year from Operation Brightside this year are absolutely striking. And I grow the majority of mine in pots. And uh, it is just amazing. The Emperor tu- you know, emperor Tulips and then the King Alfred uh, Daffodils. The red and the yellow together. Oh, and also speaking of bulbs, last week a lady called in and she was a little disappointed because her grape hyacinths hadn't started you know, emerging from the ground or pots or whatever. And I said, well, mine hadn't either. Well, I went home and checked. They were just starting to push up, and now the grape hyacinths are basically in full bloom. And my regular hyacinths, which I only have a few, they're in pots as well, and they're really starting to push up too as far as color goes. So the lady that I discussed her grape hyacinth scenario and compared mine, my grape hyacinths are up and really showing well. And uh, perennials, lawns, houseplants, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I like sharing my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is across the big board. He answers the phone, so he just needs your name and where you're calling from. During the weekends, on weekends too, I do walk and talks, which is a landscape consultation. Today I'm headed out to Baldwin and then back into Kirkwood, for uh, landscape consultations and that walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home, you can go to my website, mikemillerdesigns.com, 
and uh, I'll come out to your home and share some uh, 40 years' experience. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial, first of all, our mailman is just a nice guy. There's no getting around it. And Tracy needed him to do something extra special for her yesterday. So this is a mailman that does pretty much all the homes around Christie Park. And uh, he, no hesitation at all. And, uh, I mean, he helped her out. So tip of the trial goes out to our mailman. Also, the tip of the trial goes out to the Village of Bethalto Beautification Committee, which uh, what they do is basically... It's just the Beautification Committee is a group of village arboretum people. So, in other words, they have an arboretum in Bethalto. It's 55 years old, and for many years, the only care was given to the arboretum was quickly to mow the grass. And now, since it's 50 years old, they've decided five years ago to go ahead and really start cleaning it up and making it really nice. So the committee's in the process of finishing the requirements to become a certified arboretum. So this is in the village of Bethalto. So the arboretum, there's a group of people, you know, a group of five women work throughout the year planning and tending the park slash arboretum. They organize cleanup days, plant and tend the plants throughout the entire growing season. And each May they do host a plant sale. So that's to benefit the Arboretum. Again, this is the Village of Bethalto Beautification Committee. So a tip of the trial goes out to them today and year-round. So it's great to take on a project this big and uh, to really stick with it. I'm sure it's going to be spectacular. So tip of the trial goes out to, again, the Village of Bethalto Beautification Committee. Let's take a call or so before we go to break. Let's go to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for taking my call today. I've got a couple of questions. I live in Wild Deer Central, and so they've done some damage to my yard, and I'm wondering if there's anything that can be done for uh, helping to salvage some of the damage. I've got um, a red maple, and the deer have chewed the bark off around the trunk. Now, they've not touched the wood itself, but all the trunk around the uh, the tree is has been chewed away. So the, let me ask you a question. So the bark has been removed all the way around 360 degrees around the entire trunk. Yes, it looks like it. If there's no bark there, then the tree is basically dead. It did leaf out though. Is this spring? It's it's all leafed out now. Yeah, I but mean, I mean, the opening of the buds is from energy that was stored up from last year. To, for those leaves or those buds, whether the flower buds or the the foliage buds is has nothing to do because I, I mean the vein the bark is really where the veins are that move stuff up from the ground up to the top of the tree and if the bark is gone then there is no veins so consequently it's gone they can't be fed all right well i've got a dog or a uh, yeah a dogwood tree that they've taken and just kind of chew the back side of it off it's i have a beautiful from one side my tree looks beautiful from the back side there's no branches is there a way i could graft some branches onto the back of it no i mean so basically that tree shot too well not necessarily but if there's any kind of frayed bark or anything you know get a razor blade knife cut all that off make it nice smooth cuts and Uh in the future wrap you know put some uh Let's say the corrugated black pipe around it if you can, or put a barrier of chicken wire or some kind of wire to keep the you know keep whatever's chewing on it away from the actual trunk. 
All right. Well, you did raise another question when you were talking about putting your hydrangea bulbs in a pot. Mm-hmm. What do you do with them over winter? Do you let the pot sit outside? Oh, yeah. That- they stay out. My tulips, daffodils, grape hyacinths, my hyacinths, I plant them in the fall and they stay outside year round. Oh, awesome. That sounds like fun. I'm going to give it a try this year. All Thank right. you so much, Mike. Certainly. Have a good day. My pleasure. Mm-hmm. Bye. And let's get another call in and let's go to Abe's. Hi, Abe. Uh, hi, Mike. I hope you're doing well, given all the craziness right now. I uh, unfortunately recently heard that uh, Dave Portnoy has the coronavirus, so that's, that's too bad. But um, as you know, I'm a fighter. You know, I've been a fighter my whole life. I'm a novice gardener trying to grow some roses in my yard. I read an article in the Fiddlehead Focus by this botanist uh, named B. Michael Geary at the S.C. Robinson Botanical Institute that eating uh, one dozen long-stem red roses per day will actually help build an immunity to the coronavirus. So I'm just wondering what the Goldilocks zone for pH level is in order to uh, grow some rose bushes in my yard. You may, What kind of soil do you need? Is that what you're asking? Well, what the pH level is for the soil, yes. Uh, probably pH, I would say, would be fairly neutral. They don't need necessarily acidic. They don't want alkaline either. Okay. So probably I've, the best I've, thing I've... to do, just go to mobot.org, and that's a Missouri Botanical Garden site, and uh, just put in P- rose pH, but I don't think it's acidic. I think it's pretty much neutral, or you can contact the St. Louis Rose Society. Oh, okay. All right, awesome. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Joanne's yard. Hi, Joanne. Hi. Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Appreciate it. Uh, I had an uh, Alberta spruce in my yard for a number of years, and uh, it it decayed kind of quickly this past year. I removed it. Now I'm wondering what I can put in that that area. I know I'll probably have to put other soil in there as well to balance it out, but would I need plants that are acidic or will just the over time it kind of neutralize? I guess that's the question I'm asking here. Well, are you looking for... If you like the Alberta spruce, why not get another one and just put it in there? Well, I wanted something different, like something that was more flowering. And I thought maybe a small flowering bush or a small flowering tree that wouldn't get too too big would be uh, kind of a something different. Well, a dogwood could do well in that spot because would the a dogwood sp- work in that. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to put it necessarily right on top of where the Alberta spruce was. Right. But the dogwood likes an acidic circumstance, so all the years of the needles dropping and everything else, so that should be fine. Oh, okay. I had one other question. I was looking in the um, uh, native plants book from a place in Jefferson City, and they had aquatic milkweed and rose turtle head on there i thought those two looked very nice for uh butterflies and for additional accent in the yard uh can you tell me about either of those are they very invasive or will they work here in the st louis climate and everything any kind of wildflower basically is invasive 
how how evasive is going to be determined by how well the soil is prepared. So make sure that you prepare the soil. Just don't stick it or put it into a garden where the soil's already been prepared. And they okay. do, but they both need full sun all day long, every day. Okay. Now this rose turtle head is it a bush like they have at the botanical garden? Yeah, it's pretty much the same. It should be. Oh, okay. But, okay. you know, just make sure that you check it because I'm sure you're talking about Missouri Wildflower, you know, nursery or garden or whatever yes. it's called. And so I don't know if they sell woody plants or not. So this may be a variety that's actually an herbaceous type perennial. All right, sir. Thank you very much for the information. Certainly. Appreciate it. My pleasure. And now let's, where do we want to go? Hmm. Let's go to Paul's yard. Hi, Paul. Hey, good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes. So um, back when college was still uh, in session, my son's campus had some beautiful what they called ruby grass, nice pink plume on top. And I've checked a couple different um, lawn and garden stores, and I can't find any in the area. Um, is, so is it is it hard to find, to your knowledge? And if so, is there a, is there a suitable replacement that would give me that same look? Uh, that's probably my guess is it's a, a variety of penicetum. So just look P E N N I S S T E M U N, the penicetum, okay. and see if you know that's probably it's an annual. So it does need to be plant, replanted every year. So it's not a perennial type grass. Huh. Okay. Because it, it, so it, obviously you've seen it. It's it's a it's it really is different. It's it it really the the plumes on top are are literally like a light pink. Right, exactly. So I think this is a variety of the penicetum. Okay, I appreciate your time. Thanks. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Gene's yard. Hi, Gene. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I got a little miniature rose bush that's just really been doing great for me for the last three years, but I didn't get out there this year to prune it and it's got a lot of little leaves maroon and green is it too late for me to start chopping on it yeah you probably don't need to i mean there's i mean you prune basically for an aesthetic standpoint but if the growth is already starting to emerge then oh. it's not going to get huge it's not going to make it grow massive or anything else it's going to okay. you know it's already its size has already been predetermined by the genetics but uh, yeah. i'm assuming you're using rose food on it Banana peels. <laughs> I, I get, don't know. It I mean, works. I'm sure, but I would still get some rose food, you know, to be okay. honest with you. Because there's going right. to be some nutrients that the banana peels don't necessarily have. And uh, that's going to okay. help you out. Now, that Operation Brightside that you mentioned, that's strictly just for city uh, dwelling homes, isn't it? We don't have that out here in Arnold that you know of, do you? Well, you order the bulbs and stuff from, uh, you know, online. Oh, okay. So you don't go there. and It's not a store. It's actually an organization that, that does a lot of cleanup in the city, gets rid of all this crazy yeah. graffiti and all that other stuff. Right. See, I used to live in on Neosho in Alexander oh. in the city. I participated in the Operation Brightside, and they used to bring the trees and do my curbside and stuff and everything. Right. That's why I thought it was just strictly for city dwellers. No, 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 not at all. Okay, well, thank you very much, and have a good day. Be you safe. Do the, you do the very same thing. And now let's go and see what's going on with Betty. Hi, Betty. Betty, are you there? Yes. Okay. What, 
what do I do? What do I use to kill violets that have taken over my backyard? Ooh, violets are one of the di- most difficult weeds to control. So, I was afraid of that. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's no getting around it. You're just going to have to stay consistent and persistent because they have two different ways of producing seed besides being, even though they're, they're a perennial that kind of disappears certain, you know, at certain times, and it's going to have to, you know, you're going to have to use like a broadleaf weed killer, like a weed-be-gone type thing. Okay. And is it, uh, is it okay if I'm all over that now? Oh, Sure. Oh, okay. You know, I thought maybe it might spread the seeds more. No, 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 no. The seeds are there's probably no seeds on. You know, it doesn't have any seeds right now, even though it's probably been in flower for you know a couple of weeks. But there's yeah. no there's not seeds. I wouldn't worry about it, and uh, it probably wouldn't hurt if you're going to do a weed be gone is to mow them first or mow your grass and everything, and then put the weed be gone right after you've finished mowing because you've got open wounds. Due oh, to the mower, okay. and then it'll absorb the herbicide much quicker. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Collinsville and see what's going on in Pat's yard. Hi, Pat. Good morning, Mike. I have a question about a beautiful little poinsettia plant that I bought in early December. It sits in my kitchen by the patio door all day long. Uh, at night, it's uh, dark and, and cool. I water it once a week, uh, you know, when the top of the soil gets dry, like mm-hmm. I was told to. My question is, she's gorgeous, and but it's going to look pretty weird being in my kitchen at Easter. And I, what do I do with it? I, I don't want to just pitch it out. That would make me feel so bad. Can you help me? Yeah, I would say just go to your, you know, go to the store and get some rabbit ears and put it on your poinsettia, and that way it'll look like Easter. Oh, thank you. How about colored eggs? Will that go too? <laughs> yes. I would say don't, okay. you know, I mean, it's, it might be a little bit early, but you can probably put it outside. Just make sure you put it in a pot so it won't get blown over and just grow okay. it. Don't put it in the full sun and just, just grow it outside in your, you know, as a, a potted plant outside. Okay, and then if it lives during that period, do I dig it up in the fall and try to bring it back in? I would leave it in a pot. I would not put it in the ground. Okay. So you could put it in a little bit bigger pot than what it currently is in, and then maybe set that pot, the new one or the existing pot, down into a larger pot that's, you know, like a clay pot that's heavy that won't get blown over. Okay, okay. All right, well, thank you. Have a nice Easter. Yes, you do the very same thing. So, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're headed over to Shirley's yard. Hi, Shirley. Hello. Hi. Um, I have a large area in my yard it was covered with wild honeysuckle that we cleared out with great effort, cleared out the honeysuckle. Last year, I scattered the seeds from a flower, wild flower packet for shades. And I'm wondering, one is like a ground cover. It's just covering the whole big, long, large area. And now I'm getting a tiny yellow flower on it. And I'm wondering what I've got. It's kind of, t- you know, it's a little tough to tell. It wouldn't, generally, it's a little bit early for wildflowers to be, in, you know, most of them to be in bloom. Other than you know trilliums, and they're not going to be like big patches of stuff. So, so my guess is you probably have like an annual weed 
that's just germinated and growing out there. No, I wouldn't have a weed in this this quantity because this is where I scatter the seeds. This is where I scattered the seeds, the wild seed packet. I understand that, but that doesn't mean that you, we're going to not have any kind of weeds coming up in that location. Uh, I have a list of what it's supposed to be, but, um, I mean, this is like a ground cover. There's so much of it. Right, and generally, you know, wildflowers are not generally ground covers for the most part. Well, this is that thick that it looks like that. Right. <laughs> so. I, but I, I think I, somebody said that it would send you a picture. If I send you pictures, would you tell me what my wildfire was? Sure. Uh, yeah, definitely. Just email okay. it to me, and I'll, you know, I'll take a look at it and email you back. All right. Thank you very much. Certainly. Thank you. Yeah, sorry I can't uh, you know, come up with it, but sometimes, um, you know, you never know. Let's go to Ann's yard now. Hi, Ann. Hello. Hi. Hi. I have a question. I have um, created a border along my back fence of rock that's like four inches, four feet wide. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to plant some evergreens or low-maintenance ma- plants in there so that it's not quite so boring. And I wondered what you might recommend for that. Uh, what's the soil like in general underneath the rock? Well, you know, uh, I've had a lot of things back there. It's 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 not particularly good. It is under a walnut tree. Part of it's under a walnut tree, Ooh. and that's always created a problem for yeah, me. Yeah, right, because walnut root systems uh, emit a chemical called juglans, and that kind of can really have a big impact on anything that tries to grow underneath it. So they don't like neighbors. So that's not saying right. everything, but uh, that's problematic. I'd probably look at some of the tougher things, maybe— uh, you don't want something that's going to get really necessarily huge and fat and things like that because you said how right. I, low maintenance is what I'm interested in. Nothing that requires a lot of uh, trimming. You know, I just kind of want it to be natural and uh, green. <laughs> I would say look <laughs> at the, look at a variety of you called Hicks H I C K S. Okay. And that's going to grow relatively narrow. Never get wider than what your hips are. The only thing you have to do is control its height. And then maybe do a combination of that with the globe arborvitae. So you got something that's going to be upright like a post and then something that's round like a beach ball. You know, those uh, arborvitae, to me, they don't have a very good reputation for, for living long. I know a lot of people have used, planted them and, and they'll lose one you know, out of a row of arborvitae. Yeah, so just, you know, I mean, intermingle them every other one or every two or three. But uh, okay. if you don't want to do, you know, the arborvitae, those are just two, you know, relatively tough things. Maybe take a look at, like, uh, China Boy, China Girl, if you want to try some of the hollies. But they're going to be okay. much more care. Okay. What about the, the mugo pine? Yeah, the mugo pine. You know, just make sure you get the dwarf because I got a mugo pine right outside my kitchen window. And it's probably 14 feet wide and about 7 feet high. Okay. I'll be sure to look for the dwarf then. Okay. Thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. And let's see. Let's go to Julie's yard. Hi, Julie. Hi, Mike. I have I have some African lilies that had to be dug up at a very bad time last winter, and I didn't know what to do with them, so I just stuck them in a pot with potting soil and cut the tops off and just I didn't think they would survive but but they did survive right and now they're coming up and they they look the way 
you know, they're just barely up, and they look the way peonies look when they first come up, you know, those little pointy things. Sure. But the pot that I stuck them in is not a pot that they could stay in. It doesn't have any drainage. And can I, could I go ahead and just put them in the ground or do they, or just put them in a different pot? What, I don't know what to do for them at this point. I would probably put them in the ground. So just, you know, they need a well-drained soil. So in that pot without drainage, that'll rot them for sure. So just tip them, you know, get the hole ready, get the, you know, the spot ready. Full sun they like best of all. I'm assuming these are Asiatic lilies and the, kind of the big bulb that looks like an artichoke. And uh, just plant them in the ground. No, they're, they're, they're small bulbs. They're shaped like a, they're shaped like a garlic oh. thing. Okay. And they're kind, the bulbs are kind of purpley. And they, the leaves don't grow like you know, like daylily leaves. They oh. just, one stalk goes up and they have little leaves coming out on either side. Right, on the horizontal. Yeah, I would say, anyway, yeah. just get them in the ground. Okay. Mike, thank you so much. Certainly, my pleasure. But again, you know, well-drained spot and full sun is really what they want. So that's oh, Okay. Perfect. Mike, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And let's see, let's go over to Steve's yard and see what's going on. Hi, Steve. Steve, are you there? Oops, sorry, Steve. Uh, now let's jump from Steve's over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. I just am a newbie with planting roses. And if you could answer a real quick question, I planted the rose, I dug the proper depth, I put in the mulch, um, watered it um, yesterday. I fertilized around just a, a distance away from it just to give it a little zip. <laughs> but unfortunately, when I took the rose bush out of the plastic wrapping, there was brown paper wrapped. So I put the entire rose bush with the brown wrap into the hole. Now, I am assuming that will dissolve, or should I go out right now? And dig up that rose, take off the brown wrapping, and reassert it into the ground. So this was a bare root rose. Yes. So, uh, you know, without knowing specifically what kind of paper that is, maybe you can contact the company you got it from and ask them if it's an organic, you know, biodegradable. My guess it is probably, but there's no way to make sure unless you find out, like on the label or something, if it says, you know, remove wrapping, then... That doesn't necessarily mean it's not biodegradable, but it may be problematic just from in general as the root systems start migrating out. Okay. I'm going out to my garden, digging it up, pulling off the brown wrapper, <laughs> and hope for the best. <laughs> Thanks very much. Certainly, yes. And my husband had gorgeous roses, and here I am, but I'm trying. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Have Sounds a great perfect. one, everyone. Yep. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, out to Baldwin, and we're seeing what's going on with Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Yeah, good morning. I uh, know if the lady is still listening with the uh, lawn violet problem, which is they are issue and tough, but uh, she might try turmeric. And uh, if she cannot buy it straight, you can buy straight turmeric at uh, Hummert in her city. But there are a number of products that have it, but they need to look for that chemical. 
Uh, one, if you don't mind me mentioning a brand name, can I do that? Or Sure, go ahead. Uh, is Bonite. I think it's called Weed Out. Uh, I might not be sure of that, but it has turmeric in it. Mm. And it needs more than one application. They're tough to kill if right. you kind of step on them and bruise them a little bit. And spray. But it's two or three. But it'll, it'll eliminate. And another quick note. Uh, people should be spraying where they see clover coming up or, or any broadleaf weeds. Right. Uh, they should be doing it now. They, they wait too long, and in particular clover, if you wait too long with that, then it gets thick and it chokes out the other grass. Then when you spray the clover, you say, oh, well, I don't have any grass. Exactly. It's because they wait too long. But right. anyway, just, just a couple tips. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you. All right. Yeah, turmeric is, uh, you know, one, but availability, that's, you know, that's, a, the, like you noted, a tough one. Monty is in Collinsville. Hi, Monty. Thank you. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I've been remulching every year for 30 years in the same places. Um, you know, it kind of disappears over the winter. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a point in time where I need to dig all that out and start over? You don't really, I mean, as long as it's organic and everything's fine and your plant material looks good, no, you don't need to. Really, around okay. trees and shrubs, the depth should never be more than three to four inches. And around perennials and, you know, herbaceous type things, one to two inches. So as long as you're kind of keeping the depth correct, and if you've been doing it for all these years, obviously you are, or else, so you don't need to worry about it. I've been doing it for 30 years, but the, I've got boxwoods and things in there that are pretty hardy. You know. Right. But still, okay. if you pile up mulch and it gets too deep, it can cause problems even on really tough plant materials. Okay. Okay. Well, I had heard once that it'll suck nutrients out of your soil if you've got too much. Well, you know? it, you know, the, the, it will bind up nutrients, but it also breaks down and then releases those nutrients back into the ground. Okay, well, thank you for your help. That saves me some work. <laughs> <laughs> and now let's go from Monty's to Frank's yard. Hi, Frank. Yeah, I was questioning on the crepe myrtles. How do you trim those things or prune them? Uh, basically, you can prune them before the, any kind of growth begins, so this time of year. And it's really up to you. I mean, some of them can get really huge. Some of them are relatively small. And uh, you can prune them as much as you want. I never let the, you know... If, if you've had them for a couple of years, I wouldn't take more than 20 or 30 percent off of them as far as height-wise, and that's pretty much it. Well, i got a couple of them that look misshapen. I mean, they're, they're, they're the tree type. Not, I do have the bush type also, but the tree ones is one I'm worried about. Do I just keep maybe the three major trunks? Right. Some so, of them have? Yeah, they're not the true tree types. They're just shrub ones that have been more or less pruned to look like, you know, multi-trunk trees. But, okay, all those little offshoots that come off, I can cut them off and it don't hurt it. Right. Okay. Because they're colonizers. I mean, naturally, they're colonizers. So, in other words, they send out shoots on the ground and also up in the, you know, in the plant, too. Okay. Didn't know that. Okay. I will take that note of that, then. Thank you. All right. Great. And now, Denise, what's going on in your yard? Hi, Mike. Um, two years ago, I got hornworms in my vegetable garden, and they decimated my tomatoes and pepper plants. Last year, um, replanted, and they came back and did the same thing. Uh, is this a problem I'm going to have every year, and should I avoid not planting those kind of susceptible plants? Yeah, I'd probably skip one year maybe. 
or else you know what the hornworms, hornworms, I mean, they're devastating. And they, I mean, you don't even really kind of see them. But if you want to go ahead and plant anyway, just always check on the underside of the foliage and along the stems. The problem is they, their color blends in with the tomatoes. And that's where the real oh, trouble yeah. comes in. I mean, they, they really are very deceiving, right. for sure. You don't really realize it till all your leaves are gone on the top of your plant. Right. And, and then as soon as you see late. them, also, you can use an, like an insecticidal soap and just spray it right on them because, you know, the, the caterpillar-type things are really, you know, susceptible to any kind of insecticide. Oh, okay. Then I could try those. So would you advise putting tomato, trying again this year? Yeah, and I maybe would. Keeping on top? Okay. All right. Then I'll do that. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Right. And again, the insecticidal soap is safe for, you know, edible type plant right. materials. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks. Yep. And now let's see what's going on with Alice. Hi, Alice. Good morning. Hi. Um, I have a beautiful or had a beautiful Japanese maple in my front yard. Uh, last fall, late fall, uh, my husband uh, pruned it down to its uh, bare branches. I noticed that it's not coming back. Um, it just It's just bare right now. There's no sign of, of life at all. Have we lost it or do we just keep waiting? I would just keep waiting, but if he pruned it back so far, there may not be what's, say, the stems or branches that are left. There may not be any active buds viable on those branches. But uh, I wouldn't get into a panic yet. I mean, a lot of things haven't started emerging as far as buds go or foliage goes or anything else. So don't get into a worry. But hopefully it didn't cut it back, like I said, to the point where there's no viable buds left on you know the stems or branches. So about how long should, should we wait? We have two of them, and one of them is, is budding beautifully. How long should we wait? I would say... If by the uh, probably mid-May, if they're not pushing out any growth, it's pretty much a goner. Okay. All right. And can we plant another one in that same space if it's gone? Not right over the exact top. A few feet away, yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. And now let's go over to Jim's yard. Yeah, Mike. Um, I have a couple of mugo pines. They're about, they're dwarf, about oh, 15 years old. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to see brown needles. And I had a regular mugo that was about 12 years old in the front of the yard. And the same thing happened to that. And then all of a sudden, needless to say, I don't have that anymore. Is there anything I can be doing to save these two? I mean, if they're the, if they're, as long as it's not the needles on the end of the branches... Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, no. Then, I mean, that's pretty much goners because they should be, the candles should be elongating too. But I wouldn't, you know, don't get into a panic. Let the candles extend, see what happens. And, but uh, generally, if the needles are brown all the way up to the ends, that's not a good sign. And what causes that? Uh, it could be just age. It could be the, you know, weather. It could be lots of different factors. Okay. So it's not, Nothing that I can be looking for, spraying, what no. have you. Not to, you know, okay. not browning needles. Usually, you know, with the conifers, if the needles start turning brown, it means too much moisture. And why, after all this time, there's suddenly too much moisture? Who knows? This weather's so goofy and screwy. Yeah, because needless to say, I haven't moved them in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, all right. 
sounds like I need maybe needing to look for because the, the larger one I'm looking at it right now, and it's probably twenty percent of the outside needles are brown. Well, I wouldn't. Again, don't get into a panic. Yeah. Don't worry. No, I've got too much else to do right now, and he's <laughs> hard to panic about those. But th- that's more of a late sum- later in the summer, right. fall problem. Right. Okay, well, I appreciate it. Sure. Thanks, Thank Jim. You. All right. And sorry, Emmett, Kevin, Kent, Scott, and Matt, uh, we're not going to be able to get to you today. But uh, the Garden Hotline, I guess, will be back next week. So everybody just take it easy, enjoy the outdoors, and get out there and... Uh, Breathe some fresh air. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.